Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Megan's Old Office. Uh, this is our February 28th episode, and that means that we're into the season of Lent. Ash Wednesday has uh, come and gone, and now we're into this season, which is all about getting ready, uh, preparing uh, ourselves and our lives uh, for the story of Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. My name is J.D. Gorlad. I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church, the place from which Megan's old office emanates and comes from uh, this uh, old abandoned office that we've made into a podcast. And I am joined once again by my good friend Keith Holmes, the director of children's and family ministry here at Dundee. Keith, how are we doing, man? We are doing well. Finally getting ready for spring. There you go. As March approaches, it's not, I'm sure winter hasn't had its way with us completely. It's and not eventually, done with us yet. yeah, it's not done with us yet. Yeah. But thoughts turn to, you know, we just last week talked about weeds in the garden. And, you know, I was thinking about that even then. It's like, Oh, yeah, the plants are going to be coming up soon. You have more faith than I do. It's <laughs> a cold, bitter winter. It's dragging. Uh, but, uh, yes, uh, it, this is Lent, and so we want to start a new series. It's going to be about, over these these uh, Fridays, these podcasts of Megan's Old Office are going to be about the seven deadly sins. And let me give you a little bit of a background on the seven deadly sins. Certainly you've heard of the seven deadly sins. Uh, the, the whole idea of listing off the deadly sins started with a, a monk in the church, uh, the fourth century, who you know, uh, composed a list. And, and it, the first list or the first idea of it was that it was eight evil thoughts. But then it kind of morphed and evolved into the seven deadly sins. And Pope Gregory, back in 590 A.D., endorsed, if you will, the, the list of the, the seven deadly sins. And they are as follows. The first is pride, followed by greed, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, and sloth. My favorite. My, way, my personal choice. My favorite, my favorite of all the seven deadly sins is Glut. sloth. A, cl- a close second is gluttony for me. There you go. Uh, now, a lot of people don't know that the seven deadly sins are also mirrored by seven very holy virtues, and they're just the opposites of those seven deadly sins. Uh, the deadly sins, again, being pride, greed, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, and sloth, you can guess that the seven holy virtues are humility, charity, kindness, patience, chastity, temperance, and diligence, just the exact opposite of, of those uh, seven. Boy, I can't wait to talk about envy and kindness being opposite. Well, well, that'll uh, be fun. There you go. And we're going to get into those things, but today we're going to be talking about pride. And the reason we start with pride is because pride really is at the root of all of those other other things, and we're right. going to get into that. Keith, when does pride? When is pride? Pride is a good thing. At times, it can be a pride. Right. Can be a good thing. Uh, It is a deadly sin. Mm -hmm. When does it become? When does? When is it good? And when do you think? Where's the line in the sand? How would you react to that? What do you think? Um, Well, I think uh, 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 being proud of oneself in an accomplishment is not wrong. Right. Um, You know, rubbing rubbing other people's faces in my accomplishments might be considered wrong. That's when yeah. pride becomes That's dangerous. That's when it becomes dangerous. Being, pride, and, yeah. being proud of things that your kids have done, right. being proud of, of your team, being proud of your Being of your proud of the excellence with which yep. uh, you and a team executed something. Right. Uh, being proud of the... Uh, 
of the work and uh, that you put into something and the fruit that right. that, that was born because those of are, that. And those are all very good things to be proud of. But, but then it becomes a problem when we start to have an inflated view of ourselves. Right. And it was I alone who did all of that. Right. Or when, when we when we inflate our, our own accomplishment, our own involvement, mm-hmm. by nature, that pushes out any room for God to occupy. Right. In, in our lives and in what we do. We can't do anything apart. I mean, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Yep. So let's never forget that. Be be proud of the good things that, that uh, you have in your life. Be, good, be very proud of the great things that you've accomplished in your life. But don't ever forget... It, none of none of it happened without. You're just a steward, right? You're, it's not yours to begin with. There's and, the, you know, if you can keep that in mind, I think that helps because as soon as you take ownership of it or or possession, if you're you're truly wresting it away from God, right? Because it's God's. God should have the glory in all things. God gets the glory, right. and if we if as soon as we say, you know. I did that of my own accord, of my own strength, of my own will, of whatever it is, then we we run the risk. There's that line in the sand. And it's a thin line. It sure it is. It's a it, thin line. And that's why we're doing this. We want to, with this Bible study, focusing in on the seven deadly sin, the first that of those is pride. We want to concentrate on where is that fine line yeah, at? Exactly. And it is a fine line. And we start with pride because the other ones, as we go through this series, I think you'll see that we're going to keep coming back to pride. When we're talking about envy or gluttony or sloth. Greed, certainly. Greed, certainly. We're going to come back to pride. So Keith has uh, got a couple, two passages today. You've outdone yourself. I tell you what. Uh, And so what do you got for us today, man? Our first passage is going to be from Mark 10. It's 17 to 31, verses 17 to 31 out of Mark 10. And that's the story of the rich man or the rich young ruler as a lot of translations will call it and so before we get started I really you know um, want you to be thinking about the sin of pride as we read this and where we see it most obviously in this story Okay. okay as he was setting out on a journey a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, 
Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children in fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Good stuff. Where do we see sinful pride most obviously here? Uh, yeah. Jesus is talking to uh, this rich young man. And this is not a parable. I mean, no. You know, that's just the point. most interesting thing we about this. We just got this. done uh, a whole thank you series for, uh, of parables. parables. It sounds like a parable, though. It really Good does, point. doesn't it? It does. But it is a real event where Jesus is moving along, and he encounters this and guy, uh, this rich young man. And... and and the rich young man is an admirable guy. Let's start with that, right. right? He's been keeping the commandments. Exactly. He's obviously very dedicated to his relationship with God, at least in a religious sense, uh, in, at least in a, in a practice and practicality sense, yeah. uh, keeping commandments. Where do you see pride here? Do you see pride in him? I do, in him, because it's what he says to the response. Well, you know the commandments, do these? And his first response was, well, I've been doing that since I was a kid. Here's he the was fine... relying on himself. Grant, I'm sorry to interrupt. No. Here's that fine line that we talked about just a minute ago. The guy's a good guy. Right. The guy is a, a dedicated follower of God. Yep. And, and yet we get from this that even though he's a, a, a follower of God, as, as Jesus says, uh, he lacks something. Yep. He doesn't have it all by himself, uh, on his own. And maybe maybe he feels or he seeks to be able to have it all straightened out in and of himself. Am mm-hmm. I right? What yeah, you... I think you're right. I think you, when he looks at it, he sits there and he says, he says I want to know what I have to do, what I have to do. His focus is completely on himself because he asks, what must I do to gain eternity or gain heaven? Right. And it's like, I'm going to buy my way in. If not by money, then by action. I'm, I'm going to effort my way I'm in. I'm going to effort my way in. Right. And Jesus says, well, do these, do these things. And he, he lists out the, the, the six of the Ten Commandments. And, in, in, oh, I've been doing those since I was a I kid. I got this, right? I got, I got this. Right. Oh, hot dog. And he goes, oh, but you lack one thing. Yeah. And here it comes. And and I think the guy knows, the rich young man, he wouldn't have come to Jesus unless he had a sense in his heart. In his mind, he knows he's keeping the commandments. Right. In his mind, he knows he's been very pious and he's gone through the motions in the right way. But in his heart, he still feels something. You right. Know, that, that God-shaped hole that a lot of people, he feels yeah. that. That's why he gets there. But he wants... He obviously wants to keep his money. He right. obviously wants to keep his patterns and his life intact. But I think right. he also wants, you know, like you said, to effort his way in and, yeah. and to and to have heaven be open, eternal life be open to him because of his own righteousness, because yep. of his own accomplishment. Right. Right. And 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 he doesn't have to change anything about that. He doesn't have to give up anything about that. He, I mean, he could have walked away thinking he was justified and saved just if. You know, if he'd gotten up and walked away and didn't hear Jesus say, oh, one more thing. Right. You know, but you lack one thing. But it, he stayed and he heard. And, and, and this is why 
to me, this story is one of the saddest incidents in the Bible because it's real. This isn't a parable. There was a young man at the time in Jerusalem or wherever this took place that went away unsaved. He went away to hell because he could not let go of what he had. Right. And he wanted to have, you know, he wanted to have things by his own control. Uh, he wanted to have, uh, by his own de definition, um, what, you know, he wanted to set the rules himself as, right. as to how this and, went. And isn't it, to me, it's interesting that pride doesn't look like what we think pride does in this particular scenario. No, this guy's a really a good guy. He's but a he good is guy. very he is very proud of what he has done, I think. Right. One of the things that I really like about this telling, and I believe this is true, I'll have to look it up later, because mm. uh, I didn't think of it before the mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. this, this story, as you said, it's not a parable. This is an actual event in Jesus' life. Also appears in Matthew. We read it from Mark, but it right. also appears in, in Matthew and, and, Luke. and yep. in Luke. Yep. But if, if, if I'm correct, uh, in this telling of the story that Mark gives us, there is this great line that you read where it, Jesus looked at him and Jesus loved him. Jesus uh, loved yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the young ruler. But in loving him, he didn't come to the rich young ruler. He didn't come to me if I'm the rich young ruler or to you as the rich yeah. young ruler and says, I love you. You know something? I'm going to give you a pass. I'm going, you're right. You're, you're doing a great, great job. I always want to ask in this question, what does in this with this passage... Uh, I always want to ask the question, you know, what does the rich young ruler want Jesus to say? What yeah. does he want to hear? I think he and all of us come to Jesus wanting to hear Jesus say something. When we pray, and the rich young ruler is praying. Mm -hmm. He's doing what we do. He's having a conversation with Jesus. That's, That's prayer. prayer. He wants Jesus to say something. And I think the rich young ruler, as good a guy as he is, and I can't emphasize that enough, he wants Jesus to say, you know, Keith, J.D., you're doing great just the way you are. Yep. You're right. You should feel good. Feel great about your efforts. Yep. You got this. Man. Just, that just would feed that ego. Oh, my it gosh. Feeds that pride. Puff that, puff that chest out, buddy. How much am I like that? How much do I want Jesus just to say, yeah, you've got no work to do. You're on, put it on cruise control. That's it. Yeah. And, and be proud of yourself for that because, man, you've worked hard for this. I'm proud of you, Keith. Yeah. I'm Jesus and I'm I'm proud of you. So keep it up. Keep walking yeah. around. Get that nose up in the air and feel proud of your, yourself because that's how I feel about it. Isn't that what he wants? That's what I want to hear, right? I want to hear that kind yeah. of thing. And that's what this young man wanted to hear. But this the line person that we, wanted to hear. Yeah, the, the line is Jesus loved him and didn't say that. Yeah. Oh, wait, he didn't say right. what he wanted to hear he and didn't he loved feed him? that ego. Yeah. Instead, he said, okay, Keith, JD, uh, you lack one thing. I want you to sell every. I want you to take it to another level here. I want you to. I want you to take this to eleven. I want you. To, yeah. You know. I want you to sell everything. You. You are. You. You're doing a great job. I appreciate the effort, but I want you to. I want you to take a whole new level here. Let's, sell everything. Yep. Give it to the poor. Poor. Come follow me. Be one. Just be an itinerant wanderer. Now, there's a couple of different things here. He, he walks away, the rich young man walks away sad because he has many possessions. Grieving, and we can, it says yeah, right. in this translation. Good word. Love that word. Exactly. And we can conclude that he walks away from Jesus because he wants to keep his money. He wants to keep his wealth. He mm -hmm. wants to keep his comforts. And that's true. Right. But I think he walks away from Jesus 
I think, and it may be a stretch. You, you may be listening to this and say, I'm stretching too far. I don't think I am. I think he wants to have a religious system where that feeds his pride and yeah. feeds his ego and, and, and affirms. I don't think that's too far off. Don't I, you? I don't think so at all. I mean, here he is. He's like, I've been keeping these commandments. Let's stick with that. Right. And, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 there's another level that we need to get to. He, let's have a system that feeds my pride, right. that affirms my efforts, that, that, uh, that gives awards for the good things that I do at every step that I, right. that I do it. Yeah. I think he does come to Jesus uh, feeling, feeling a little insecure and wanting Jesus to say something that affirms that, you know, and fills him with pride, and to, to have his pride make him you know, soothe his pain or his insecurity. Right. And he walks away not getting that, never seeing that that's not what it's about. That's you know what I'm saying? You know? I always hope and pray that he figured it out later, that, you know, that he, he walked away from this point, but somewhere down the line he realized it and did what he did what it took, but I don't think that happened. Do you think the poor have an advantage over the wealthy? Mm, yeah, it's an, Depends it's, on what you mean. Well, it's easy to say yes, because here we see in the situation, it's hard for the rich to enter heaven, and Not therefore... impossible. But we infer, well, then it must be easy for the poor to get to heaven, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, That's the inference. We're hearing what he's not saying, so to speak. And I think the point is, is you know, and so the, to that question, I say maybe. Because a poor person can take pride in their poverty, can take pride in their position, saying, look at me, how I suffer so, help me. Right. I have all these disadvantages. I have all of this. And, and in fact, wallow in their poverty. And, and I, I, I hesitate to self-pity because I don't even know that they're pitying themselves. They're holding themselves up higher than the rich. Oh, you have all those advantages being rich. I never did. And therefore, this is why I'm poor. Again, it's pride to me. And, and I think you said it best is, is that living to that inflated self yeah, and it can, image, and it can infiltrate no matter who we are, right. where we live, right. you know, how we live, what our condition. Yeah. I go back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in in Matthew chapter five, and I really I, I like uh, reading Matthew in the context that this one line is at the foundation of that entire gospel, mm -hmm. and that is when Jesus opens the sermon, he says, "Blessed are the poor." In spirit. In spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and and that that you are blessed when you have this mentality of need and right. this, this mentality of needing to be filled with things that you cannot get on your own mm -hmm. that that can only be provided for you by by god pride very much is rooted in the idea i can do this of my on my own look right. at what i've done i can do this on my own and doing this meaning get to the kingdom uh, force god's hand and get into the kingdom of right. and look at you know how proud i am of uh, of this but what a great blessing it is when we start off instead with, I'm poor in spirit, and I'm never, I'm, I'm, I'm never outside the need, that need. I always need God. And I think that takes us right into our second point, then, that, that godly virtue of humility. And we have another passage that uh, I'm going to let you read this time, because it's got big Are words. Are you tired? I, I, it's got big words. I don't know how to say. All right. We're going to read no, from but, Mark but chapter seriously. 7. Yeah. We're going to read from Mark chapter 7, kind of a counterpoint to the story that we've already talked about. And it's verses, uh, Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. How does, uh, how does the woman in this story begin her 
encounter with Jesus. This is the story of the Syrophoenician woman's faith, but it's also a story about her attitude, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, how does this whole thing begin? Uh, Starting in uh, chapter 7, verse 24, uh, book of Mark. From there, he, Jesus, set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be first, be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Wow. Yeah. How does this start? How, what, how do you... How did the woman begin with Jesus? She'd heard about him. She came to him, and and I don't know. I don't know that she expected him to say yes. Mm. You know, I think she she came to him. Well, okay, so the obvious here is she came and said, please do this. Mm-hmm. Only you can do this. From everything I've heard, only you, Jesus, can do this. Where, where the rich young ruler came in and said, what must I do? So immediately we Good see point. the point. difference, right? right? That she came seeking his help Great point. where the rich guy came seeking Tell me what to do. What I can, what, what I, I can, can do. What can I, I do? know that I can do great. I've right. already proven that I can do a lot of stuff. Right. Uh, let now me I know, want heaven. Yeah, yeah, I want heaven. Let me know the three or four things that I need to add, or just tell me that I've already got it. Covered. Or exactly. Right. And she it's, comes to him. How does she come? How does it begin? It, it begins with her having a problem she can't fix. Right. And knowing that she's, it begins with her in a state of complete helplessness, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, she doesn't know whether or not what's going to come of this. Yeah. She's, de- but she's willing to t- roll the dice uh, and recognize that as she walks into that house where she's not really welcome because Jesus just doesn't want to be bothered that day. And I, for one, don't blame him. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he needs just to wanted break. some quiet time. Yeah, right. a little time out. Uh, uh, and and take a break from from the whole thing. Doesn't want to be bothered, but she has an attitude. She has a realization. She's completely unconvinced. I can't do this. And a great point. In contrast, the rich young ruler, as good a guy as he is, he isn't focused at all on what he can't do. He's right. focused completely only on what he can do because right. he's proven that over and over. Whereas the woman has been in this situation with her daughter, who's been possessed. She's been presented with a, a, a situation. Who knows how long that is beyond her control, beyond her ability. And that drains her, destroys her of any pride at all, of any right. sense of there ability on her own. Absolutely. You, you see what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we can see that because what we would consider an extremely harsh answer from Jesus, something that is almost a slap in the face to a person that thinks, you know, oh, Jesus is this sweet lovely, loving, wonderful, um, you know, I dare I say effeminate kind of, of guy wandering this countryside teaching about all this. He comes up and he point blank, he says, 
why should I feed you? I'm here for the children of Israel. Why should I give you something that's a Gentile or a dog, something that I should be giving my own children? Yeah, how would we respond to this verse uh, 27? Is she, we see how she responds, but let's, exp- let's say it and explain it. Just as Keith yeah. has said, uh, he says to her, let the children be fed first. In other words, let the people of Israel, let the important yeah. ones go first. Right. Uh, let the, the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. What he is saying is, to the woman, he is saying, you're a dog, you're not one of the children, you're right. not one of the people for whom I came into the world, yep. you're just a dog, and it wouldn't be right for me to f- throw my blessings to you. Right. Uh, I'm here to bring them to, to the ones that, that... And how uncharacteristically sh- harsh of him to say oh something like Oh my gosh, like it's that. incredibly harsh. But how would most people respond to that? Basically, oh, to fa- there'd paraphrase- be a whole lot of door slamming at my place if that happened. Right. I'd, be, I'd storm out and I'd be like, you know what? This guy is a jerk. Right. Why would I follow him? It's a test of pride. Absolutely. So if I'm Jesus and you are the one seeking a blessing, I'm saying, uh, yeah, Keith, um, I'm here to take care of somebody else, a whole other group of which you do to whom you do not belong. Right. And uh, it would not be right for me to give the best stuff to people like you. Yeah. This is what Jesus is saying. I know. And how would you respond to me saying, I'm going to, so uh, get out of here. He's basically saying, yeah. get out of here because you're nothing but a dog. Right. How would most people respond to that? I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Just uh, like you said, you are, you jerk. Right. You I just, heard you were a good guy. Right. Uh, what? How could you say that to me? Right. But again... That's pride. That's a there prideful thing. There it is. There's that fine line. How can you say that to me? I deserve better. That right. would be how most people would respond to this. Yep. And yet she doesn't. She is drained. Like, I love that image of drained of all pride. She comes to him in abject humility because there's nothing else she can be. But and she humble. And she proves that humility. Yep. That lack of pride with her response. When Jesus says, I didn't come here for you, Keith. Mm-hmm. I came here for somebody else. And I'll, you know, you're crazy if you think I'm going to give the best to you. Yeah. She responds and she says, Yeah, okay. Uh, you're right. I'm a dog, but I'll take whatever falls off your table. Anything. I'll take anything you anything. got. Imagine now what has to happen to me. In order to get to that place well, with I, Jesus, you know, I, the, I just I, I shudder to think. Oh man! But I mean, we think back to our own time. That you know, I, a lot of people talk about their moment of conversion, their moment of salvation when they realize they need a savior and everything like that. Some of us don't have, you know, some of us don't have nearly as bad a story as others who, you know. We're on a dung heap. We're, we're, you know, or we're sitting in an alleyway or lying in a pool of their own vomit or, you know, things like that when they finally realized it. Some, that's what it takes for some people. That's what it took for the prodigal son. We keep coming back to that story. He comes to his senses while he's in a pig sty with his face in the mud. Looking at the food that he's, the slop that he's giving the pigs going, man, I'd eat that. Is that what it takes in order for you and I to get to this place where we, we make this great response that the woman makes, you know, I, okay, I'm a dog, right? I, I, I don't mind you calling me that. Yep. I don't, I don't mind that being the truth of my life. I'll take anything you got. 
If something is wrong in my life, that's not my first response to Jesus. No. My first response to Jesus is, you owe me this. How You're could you this. let this happen to me? How dare you do yeah. your business like that? Yeah. Right? There's a lot of pride in that response. Uh, absolutely. There's a pride in every, in my opinion, I guess, as as we go through this, we could be. it could be said that every other response except, yeah, I'm a dog, but I'll take whatever scraps you can give me. Is going to be pride filled. I'm not leaving. Uh, I'm not leaving uh, until I say I'll be happy with anything Any, you do, anything, anything you give. And he gave, and then he gives it all. He says, "Okay, you get it for that. You you for that response, for that attitude in place, for that humility that you've expressed, for the genuineness yep. of that humility." Jesus is so pleased with that. What does this say about prayer? What does this whole thing say about prayer? Yeah, she's talking to Jesus. So just like the rich young ruler, she's praying. Right. She's down on her knees, just like the rich young ruler. He said, and he knelt before Jesus. And she knelt before Jesus and and bowed down at his feet. And they entered a conversation with Christ. And man, if you go to Christ, in my opinion, if you go to Christ saying, you know, Jesus... Everything's going really well. What else can I do for you? Right. What What else can I do? Or do, hey, Jesus, everything's going really well. Please uh, confirm with me that everything, that, that I've got everything covered. Right. Or do we go to him like this woman who is, who is in a des- desperate situation, but also to go to Jesus even when life is not desperate and right. say, in, in, with the same kind of attitude of, you know, just being in a relationship with Jesus, just having Jesus in the world, just having the opportunity to talk to him, just having the opportunity to share his problems with him, I'll take the crumbs off his table, right. and I'll be happy and with that. And they're still better than anything I can get myself. Jesus says, it tells us to pray. They ask him, hey, how do we pray? And he says, pray this way. And as part of that prayer that we all know, it's give us this day our daily bread. Yep. Give us. It says, don't give us... It, I, there's so many things that we're but we don't ask. There. Right. We just ask for this day. Just this day. And enough and bread to get through this day. Just get us there. And I, you know, I, I, I think this is just a perfect way to kick off this series in, in, of the seven deadly sins because pride really, I, in my opinion, is the root of all of them. And we'll I'm sure we'll talk about we'll that keep in the coming, coming weeks. Exactly. Absolutely. But this this image and this when you when you get a chance to really dig into it like like and, and we've only scratched at it a little bit but what a great image to have to leave us with this week cuz we're almost out of time here that we need to be humble do not go to Christ saying here's what here are my list of demands here are my thank yous here's what i'm doing for you go and just simply say You've given me nothing. You've given me so much, and that's really the hard time is when we, when he, when we're on top of the world and things are going well. But still, to say, and yet I'm still so poor, I will take the scraps from your table. It's tough. It's very difficult. It's more than just a word. Uh, it, we get a great picture of it from this woman. Absolutely. What a triumph! Uh, this has been Megan's old office. Thanks, Keith. That was fun. That was whether we'll, whether we wanted to or not. That was fun. There you go. And we'll be back next week with a continued series of the seven deadly sins here during the season of Lent. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you here next week. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's old office. Brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. 
You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash dpcomaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at megansoldoffice at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.